Good morning, and welcome to Upward Vision. We're glad you've chosen to join us this morning. Upward Vision is a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church with locations in Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana. Now for today's message. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hey, it's good to see you. It's good to see people online. I have a question for you. Do you think God likes you? Now, you know he loves you, right? But does he like you? Max Licato thinks so. He said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on the front of it and that he's just crazy about you. Do you believe that? I think related to that question, does God like us, is, are a couple more questions. One is, uh, can we please God? And can we go beyond that and, and make him proud of us? I've always been interested in how other people live, other cultures, and I've just been extremely blessed to experience other cultures for extended periods of time. Right out of college, I moved to Hobart, Tasmania to work with a missionary there for a couple years. There, I learned how to fight the devil. Oh, come on. <laughs> Probably too young, too, I don't know. Um, and, but you know what I really learned? I learned a lot. But one of the things I really learned is what it's like to be a foreigner in a foreign land. Uh, Australian culture is not that drastically different than ours. It's different enough that you're keenly aware that you're not home. I remember literally, I think in the airport, 
I, I kept running into people. It's like, what is going on? And I kind of stepped aside, analyzed it, and then I, I, I figured it out. Uh, people in Australia, of course, drive on the left side of the road, and we drive on the right side. So they do the same thing walking. So if you meet somebody down the aisle, we would go to our right. They would go to their left. So you can see what happens. I was literally running into people and it's just making me aware that I was a foreigner in a foreign land. Well, after a couple of years in Tasmania, I moved back to the US and did a couple of years of graduate school, got married to Kedra. And then she and I moved to Auckland, New Zealand uh, to plant a, a church. And, and we were there for a few years. And this time I was, I was more comfortable in a cross-cultural context. I understood a lot more. And so I knew how to kind of blend in a little bit. I knew how to fit in. I knew how to dress like a Kiwi and I knew how to, to walk like a Kiwi or a New Zealander. I knew that the, the right side was really the left side, the left side was right, and the right side was wrong if, if you were walking. It's all really clear. And, and even though I knew how to walk like a New Zealander, which is kind of like walking like an Egyptian, it's a little bit different, I, I couldn't talk like one. So when I'd open my mouth, people would look at me. And it would lead to conversations, it would lead to questions, it would lead to explanations as to why I was there, which was to share the love of Jesus and to plant a church. And so that was to my advantage, obviously. Uh, but I will tell you, and I'll confess to you, that after a while, it got tiresome. It, it got wearisome. It's like you go to the store to get something, and it's like, I just want to get something and go back home. And toward the end of our time, and I'm not proud of this at all, but, but toward the end of our time there, when I knew we were gonna go back home, I got so tired of uh, all the, the questions and conversations that seemed to me were often met with condescending judgmental looks like, oh, you're one of those. You know what I did? I didn't open my mouth. I would try to keep quiet, try to blend in and fit in and just kind of move, maneuver around and get back home without having to talk to anybody. Again, I'm not proud of that. You know, as followers of Christ, we are uh, called out. That's what the word church means, ecclesia. We are called out and we are set apart which is what the word holy means. So God calls us out of the culture, calls us out of the world, and he sets us apart to be his chosen holy people, precious to him. And he says, don't blend in with the culture, don't compromise, because I need you to go back into the culture as distinctly different people to, to win the culture. To be in the world and not of the world is kind of what Jesus says in John chapter 17 as he prays right before the cross and he prays for us and, and he prays that we will be set apart, will be holy, that we'll be distinctly different and that we'll go back into the world on mission. Look at John 17 verses 15 through 19 in the NLT. So I'm, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy 
by your truth. Now, fast forward some 30 years, and, and Peter, the apostle who once tried to blend in with those around him, remember that? He tried to blend in and, and just kind of fit in, and, and it led to his denial of Christ. So he overcame that, he's restored, and now he's writing to Christians who are scattered uh, throughout probably Western Turkey, and And they are living in the Roman Empire with Nero as emperor who hates Christians and there's persecution, there's conflict and there's suffering. And he writes to them and he says, hey, don't try to blend in. No, don't compromise the cause of Christ. You are God's chosen. You've been set apart. You've been made holy. Now, now. Now understand that even though, even though it's going to create conflict for you, it's going to create suffering, but but don't compromise. Remember who you are and where you're going and then you'll know what to do. Being holy, being called out and set apart in an unholy culture is difficult because it's often met with disapproval and worse. It creates conflict, and, and you know this, if you, if you stand lovingly even, you still will receive condescending condemnation and wildly and frustratingly false accusations. And, and so part of you wants to, you're provoked and you want to fight back, but I think a lot of times we just say, you know what, I don't like conflict, so I'm just going to kind of try to blend in and, and fit in and not really not really stand out and not not be that holy in the sense of being set apart and different. And so it's easy to kind of go with the flow and, and beyond that, you know, you're kind of starting to go with the flow and you say, you know, this is kind of, this is kind of cool. I kind of like the way this thing works. I kind of like the culture. It's, it's, it's pleasant. It's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's attractive. It's desirable. But I'll tell you, and I know this and you probably do too, it always leads to problems. It'll, it'll bite you in the end. Last year, there was a major news story about a church leader who had a moral failure, which sadly is so common uh, anymore that I hardly pay attention because I don't know them. This one caught my attention because of an article in a magazine called The Spectator written by Ben Sixsmith, who I don't know him either, but he's a, a, a young guy who's not a Christian. And he, he, he titles his article, The Irony, The Sad Irony of Celebrity Pastors. And he's talking about this really super cool, uh, super contemporary guy that's leading a church like that in New York City that's huge. And so this guy fails. And so Ben Sixsmith writes about it and he says, I, you know, I don't really get this thing, the church trying to be like the culture. And he says, uh, there is... An irony, though, in how whenever Christians seem to attach themselves to mainstream culture with all its vices in the hopes of drawing people toward God, they seem to get drawn toward the vice. And he, he says, here's what I see as a non-Christian. So I see a lot of Christians who are trying to be super cool and contemporary, and it's kind of like they just have a little twist of Jesus in their life, just have a, Jesus as a little add-on. And, and so I would interface with that and say, well, yeah, it's kind of like uh, I'm going to live 
the way I want. I'll live my life the way I want with my desires, but I've got Jesus, and so I'll add him on. He's got my back. He's got me covered. He's an add-on. He'll take care of me. The author of that article asks a good question. He says, so if Christianity is such an inessential add-on, why become a Christian? And then these painful words, he sums it up. He says, hey, I'm not religious. So it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should or shouldn't believe. But still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there's nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. And I think what he's getting at is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. It's, it's, it's the idea of wanting forgiveness without repentance. It's the idea of wanting Jesus as Savior, but not really as Lord. It's the idea of receiving grace, but not really being grateful for it in the sense that I respond responsibly in, in trying to live for Jesus. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a problem. It's, it's basically what Jude would say in Jude 4, that we use grace as a license for immorality. In other words, hey, I can do what I want. I got Jesus now, so I can, I can keep on living the life I want. It doesn't matter if I sin. He's got me. He's going to cover my back. It, it's kind of like Paul addresses this in Romans 6 when he's writing to the, the Romans. He, he, he's dealing with an issue where they say, you know what? Hey, when I sin, grace shows up and grace glorifies God. The, the way to glorify God is to sin because the more I sin, the more grace there is, the more glorification God receives. So Paul asked the question in Romans 6, he says, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And his answer, no, by no means. King James says, God forbid, God forbid that we would do such a thing. Nate Flynn, who works down at the Bedford campus, uh, recently responded to a question about how, when Jesus became real in his life. And I think he probably captures the way a lot of us have lived or live. He says, Jesus became real to me when I completely surrendered to him. I stopped trying to live for myself. Although I grew up in church and I knew Jesus all my life, I was still largely living for myself with one foot in the kingdom and one in the world. It just wasn't working. When we were in New Zealand, we had a lot of young people in our church and one of them was Tim. And Tim was probably one of the most frustrating uh, people I've ever worked with. I loved him, I still love him. I don't know what happened to him, but he, he was one I spent hours and hours with before he was baptized. He was baptized into Christ and we spent hours and hours and hours trying to, to understand what he had done. And, and he seemed like he would take it in and seemed like he would understand it, but he still was living in such a worldly way. And he'd just do stuff that's like, what are you doing? And so one day he came to me, he was all excited. He said, hey, Alan, I'm really excited. I said, what are, you, what are you excited about, Tim? He said, I've been studying Judaism. Good. And you know what's so cool about Judaism? What? He said, it's not just a religion for them. It's, it's an entire way of life. 
I was incredulous. I said, yes, and guess what? Jesus takes it even to a greater degree. He is your life. He's everything. You're supposed to live for him in all aspects of your life. I don't know. I don't know if he ever got it or not. But, uh, you know, trying to live in the world with just a twist of Jesus, with Jesus as an add-on, is, is a frustrating way to live. And if that's, if that's what you're doing this morning, if that's what you're doing, we're not here to judge you about it, okay? I know the heart of Sean and I know the heart of our leadership. No one's here to judge you if that's the way you're living um, because we understand it. We all have that temptation. We all have that, that, that problem. I know how easy it is to slip into it. It's appealing. It's fun. For a while, sin is fun and then it's not. And ultimately, it's, it, it's empty. It, it's hollow. It will leave you frustrated and ultimately, it leads to eternal destruction. So it, it's something you really don't want to stay in. And I wonder if together we can hear what Peter said this morning. Rosalie Sherwood read that for us, and it's interesting to me that, that uh, Rosalie grew up on a family farm that's less than two miles from the family farm I grew up on as the crow flies, and her family and my family have known each other for, for a long, long time. And in fact, we have uh, in the back past there, we have some shared relatives, so we're kind of related, so it's neat to see her read. But as she read, I hope you heard what Peter said. He, he, he challenges the idea of cheap grace, and he, he gets at the, the tension of being in the world, but, but not of the world. And he's trying to, I think, say you just can't have Jesus as a little add-on. You can't have him at just a twist of your life. And he says... This, he simply says, summing it up, he says, be holy, be holy in all you do. Be called out, be set apart, be different. And he uses the metaphor of a foreigner, a foreigner. And we're simply not home yet. And yet it's kind of like Jeremiah 29. We know that we're to build houses and we're to, to kind of settle in the culture. We're to be in the culture, but we're not to be of the culture because we are living uh, there, but we also have a home and we're heavenly citizens. And so we have heavenly citizenship. And, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to live our future in the present. We're trying to back that into the present and live as followers of Christ. And we're living in the future in a sense based on the past. And that comes to inform how to live in the present. Remember who you are and where you're going, and then you know what to do. And so Peter mentions past, present, and future. These are all three important for our new identity in Christ. So he talks about the past. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, from the culture, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. You've been born again, new identity. And then he talks about the future. He says, so set your hope, this living hope that Sean talked about last week. So set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So that the past and the future inform the present. How then should we live as the holy people of God, set apart, called out? How should we live like foreigners? And here are some of the things he says. 
He says, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled. So we don't just allow our thoughts to, to free flow anymore. We, we take them captive and we make sure they're gonna obey Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna dwell on things and think about things that are gonna take me away from Christ. I will concentrate and think on things that will draw me closer to him and help me with my walk with him. Live out your time, or as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So we don't let the culture squeeze us into its mold. It's very enticing, it's very intriguing. But we, we say, no, you know what, that's not... That's not gonna take me where I wanna go. So we don't let it squeeze us into, our, into its mold. And we live out our time as foreigners here in reverent fear because of what God has done. We stand in awe and we, we, we stand in reverence and say, you know what? Wow, I wanna I want live for him because of what he's done for me. And this world is not my home, I'm passing through. So now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Because of the love that God has for us, we love each other. And I've always said the best test of whether we really understand and have appropriated the love of God appropriately is can we love each other? Can I love the non-masker and the masker? Can I love the vaxxer and the non-vaxxer? Can I, can I just love each other? Can we just get along? And, and if we understand the love of God, then yes, we can. And we can really learn to love people who are really different than us and think differently than we do. Therefore, and this is how it shows up, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So we're, we live different than the world. It's not the way the world lives. And so we're careful about how we have relationships and, and what we say about them and how we do them. And like new more, newborn babies who crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. I love to see a newborn baby try to find the source of food. And he says, that's kind of the way we need to be as we, as we allow that word of God, which is truth that makes us holy, but transform us and spiritually form us as we, as we take it in, the word of God. So the thing that drives all this is this really challenging and amazing statement. He says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So clearly God wants us to be imitators of him. He wants us to be like him. He wants us, and the best way to see that is Jesus. So he wants us to be like Jesus. And he says it over and over again in scripture. And we say, well, is that really possible? Yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible because he makes it possible. When we're born again, when we're baptized into Christ, we are given a new identity and we are given holiness. And so that when he sees us, he sees us as his holy people. Remember what Jesus said in John 17? I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. So we become pure and holy in the sight of God when we put on Christ and clothed with Christ. And so when God sees us, he sees his son. He sees you as perfect, blameless, and holy. Now we know otherwise, but down here below what he sees, he gives us his spirit, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us mercy, he gives us grace so that we have the freedom to live up to what he, what he has given us, to who we are really. And so that's what he's asking. He's, come on now, live like that. Live as, live as foreigners. You have a new identity in Christ. Remember who you are and where you're going and then, then you'll know what to do. 
you know, recently had a meeting upstairs with several of us to discuss the future of this church. And we talked about uh, the vision for the next few months post-COVID and, and what, what all this means for the years to come. And we were looking at some things that were written a few years back, which are really good, excellent. And we we're talking about how do we kind of tweak this and how do we kind of navigate and maneuver with all of this. And, and, and we were just talking about how much has changed, how much has changed in the church and, and how much has changed in the culture. And we kind of all commented on that and then it just kind of went quiet for a minute, like we were all just contemplating that. And then Maggie Mobley uh, just broke the silence, I think, and said, so much has changed. So much has changed in the culture, especially. And I don't know about you, I, I grieve that. I, I don't like a lot of the changes. I, I really don't. And, and a lot of it bothers me. And if I'm not careful, I can get sucked into that and I can become discouraged and down about it. But, but here's the thing I know. I have a living hope. I have a living hope. So I'm gonna live in hope and I'm gonna understand where I am in this life and understand my position in this world. And based on that hope, I'm gonna position myself and we position ourselves to be faithful to God as we live in the culture. We want to be in the world, but not of the world. Our identity is now found in Christ and he shows us how to live in this world. We've been called out, we've been set apart. And then we've been sent back on mission. We are to go into the culture. We're to go back into the world to love people, not, not as condescending, judgmental jerks as some people do. It's like, what are you doing? Go humbly. Man, you're saved by grace. <laughs> There's no arrogance there. To go humbly and, and listen to people, walk with them and listen before you talk and try to find out where they are and why they're doing what they do. Just, and, and eventually we say, hey, you know what? There's another way. I understand what you're doing. I, I attempted to do that and have done that, but there's another way and his name is Jesus. And so we go out and we don't try blend into the culture. We open our mouths and say, there's a better way. His name is Jesus. First Peter 3.15, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So you listen and you walk before you talk. So, do you think God likes you? Can we please him? Can we make him proud? I'm gonna say yes, okay? I'm gonna say yes, although at times I wonder. <laughs> like, eh. I'm gonna say yes based on what he does and what he gives us. And it's based some on what we do and how we respond. We're not talking about perfection. That's just not possible. But we're talking about desire. Whose team are you on? Who are you trying to, who are you trying to represent? How are you trying to do it? I love Hebrews. All preachers do because I think it's a sermon. Most of us think it's a sermon. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, you know that hall of fame of faith, the writer holds up a bunch of people as people who live by faith and live by hope. And he says, be like them. But here's the thing. Those people are messed up. They're, they're really flawed. Uh, far from perfect in lots of ways. And yet he holds them up as exemplary. And he says this about them as he sums up. He says, all these people were still living by faith. When they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting 
that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the old country, they could have gone back. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Listen to this. Therefore, God is not ashamed, not ashamed to be called their God. And he's prepared a city for them. Eugene Peterson and the message gets it like this, the last couple of lines. He says, they were, they were after a far better country than that, heaven, heavenly country, heaven country. And here's the line I want you to hear. You, you can see why God is so proud of them. And he has a city waiting for them. Remember who you are, where are you going, and you know what to do. So I'm gonna challenge us all to go this week and find somebody to walk beside, to listen, and then let's open our mouths as we love boldly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word this morning from First Peter that challenges the time out of us. And God, just uh, lead us this week to people to whom we need to speak and, and uh, just guide us. God, we want, we want others to know what we know and enjoy. So lead us and help us to, to look at you and to be in awe at your holiness and just to think. This has been Upward Vision, a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. With locations on the east and west sides of Bloomington and in Bedford, Sherwood Oaks has a worship service to meet your needs. To receive a free copy of today's message or for more information about any of our locations and service times, go to socc.org messages. Thanks for joining us. Continue to look to God this week as you maintain the upward vision.